RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's time for our, well, monthly catch-up with Adam Crichton, the Washington correspondent for the Australian newspaper, and he's with us again. Adam, welcome back to RCR. Thanks for having me, Paul. God, the months go so fast. <laughs> don't, don't they? Well, it's been quite a, a an interesting end to the week, politically speaking, in the U.S., Okay, where do you want to start? Let's start with the indictment of Hunter Biden. What happened there? Yeah, well, look, that that uh, that just emerged on Thursday in the US. Uh, a bit of a surprise, I think. Um, you know, there's been an investigation into him since uh, 2019, and no charges were brought by the prosecutor David uh, David Weiss. And of course, there was that famous plea deal, the sweetheart plea deal, six weeks ago that fell apart uh, when a federal judge looked at it and said, this is ridiculous. And then a few weeks after that, this David Weiss was elevated to special prosecutor status by the Attorney General, which basically gives him more power to prosecute uh, anywhere in the US uh, without influence from the department. And and that seems to have had some impact on him because this, this new set of charges, three gun charges have emerged. Uh, you know, it's kind of, I mean, I think it's, the charges themselves are, you know, well, I mean, it's debatable whether they're even constitutional. The U.S. Constitution doesn't say anything about crack cocaine, <laughs> and um, no, but it does say there. that you, it does say you have a right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of lawyers say that the regulations surrounding purchase of firearms are not constitutional. And indeed, a recent uh, federal court case found that too. So, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think you know, Republicans are just happy to see. Uh, Hunter damaged because it damages the president, I guess, by association. Um, but I think actually a lot of Democrats be quietly happy about this too because it you know, keeps the focus on on Hunter's drug use. And I think a lot of voters feel sympathy for him and they think that he's you know been humiliated uh, because of that. And I think even more importantly, it's a distraction from all of the influence peddling stuff. Which you know personally, I would much rather David Weiss be looking at that than this stupid, you know, stupid gun charge, I think. I mean, he only held the gun for 11 days and it wasn't even loaded. I mean, I, I just, you know, I just think it's it's just using, you know, just like with Donald Trump, exactly the same thing. You know, you find a law and you, you know, you use it to get someone because, you know, for political reasons. Yeah, mind you, you put with that the hookers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there's all You know, and the quite, quite uh, over-the-top. Uh, images that have emerged of oh, him yes, yes. parading naked. You know, oh, it's, this I, is a, yeah. a pattern of uh, a sort of dodginess, isn't it? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Look, I mean, yeah, extremely. He's an extremely unwise guy. I mean, uh, it's a nice way of putting know, it. I mean, that's kind of a massive understatement. I mean, leaving that that laptop at that that store in 2019 was just just epically bad. I mean, the consequences have just been so shocking. Because, of course, it's all true. And it wasn't just the images. I mean, just what I was talking about, it was all the emails about business deals and about yeah. the big guy and 10%. I mean, that's that's the real stuff that, that could bring down the presidency. This this gun stuff is not going to affect Joe Biden, at least politically. I want to get on to um, what uh, they've been saying in the House, uh, Matt Gates and uh, the position of the, the Speaker and, uh, you know, the whole thing around this impeachment yep. inquiry they're talking about. But I saw a video this week. You might have seen it of Biden in Vietnam and he was talking and he clearly really didn't know what he was saying. And when he couldn't think of anything more, he just said, I have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was and then they cut his mic off. I mean, 
It was Boy, extraordinary. Come I on, know. man. I mean, it was it was the first time I've kind of actually felt sorry for him as a human being because it was just so embarrassing. Um you know, to be the president of the United States, and they literally cranked up the music at the end, this kind of, you know, soft piano music while he was still speaking. I mean, that's yeah. very, very insulting. Uh, and, I mean, I assume he was angry afterwards. I would have been. I mean, standing up there as the president, and they turned the music up, so <laughs> so he stopped talking. But, look, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't just the I'm going to bed bit. It was, I mean, even the start was ridiculous. I mean, he started off with a reference to good morning vietnam from the you know radio uh, from the oh, movie. i missed that bit yeah mm. you, you know i mean that's yeah that might be funny for an american audience but you know the vietnam war killed you know hundreds of thousands of vietnamese uh, i mean i wouldn't be starting the the speech with a reference to the war <laughs> but anyway he thought it was funny um by saying good morning vietnam oh dear um and there was that and then of course there was the you know saying that he's just taking orders and you know reading out names of journalists uh you know, whose questions he, he or at least the White House already knew. Uh, you know, it was just it was just a terrible performance overall. Uh, you know, it it completely overwhelmed whatever message he was he was trying to send at that press conference. And even the liberal media in the US, you know, the CNNs and the MSNBCs were shocked and and have started criticising him. And of course, you saw just in the, the past few days, the Washington Post published a, you know, which is a very pro Democrat newspaper. They they published. Um, and op-ed by David Ignatius that, that basically said that Biden should not run, which was which is you know quite a minor earthquake, I would say, in the in the Democrat world. Um, and so I think that's going to unleash unleash a lot of similar arguments uh, now in the liberal press. And so it does put the you know puts the White House in a difficult position. Yeah. So in the journalistic community of which you you're part of, there um, is there any talk about or any leaks about how he is actually you know when he's dealing with people in the Oval Office? Well, look, I mean, you know, I'm sure Scott Morrison won't mind me saying now, he's not Prime Minister, but um, I spoke to him in 21, I think, when he was over in Washington, um, and he kindly hosted a lot of us journalists at the at the embassy, and and I'm sure he was, he was speaking frankly to us, but he said, look, you know, I know you all think that Biden's losing it, but... Uh, He's extremely lucid in private and he's he knows what's going on. And, you know, we said, oh, surely, no, no. But, you know, Morrison said no. And, look, maybe he was just, you know, telling us that because he was the prime minister at the time and we were journalists. But, but look, I think he was being honest. And, and you know, he's not the only one who's, who said that to me. Other senior journalists who are very uh, tapped in have said, look, you know, he does come across a, a bit of a bumbler sometimes, but in private he actually still knows what's going on. Uh, which suggests to me there's no way he'll be he'll be stepping down. <laughs> In private, he's the big guy, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I've never met Biden, but uh, so I've only seen the public Biden. But oh, but you know, there was a book that came out recently, uh, the first kind of book about Biden while he's president by some guy called Kevin Foer, I think, uh, and it's just on his presidency, and certainly it touches on the allegations of his mental state and. Um, and the only thing in it really is that Biden occasionally says privately he feels tired, but he doesn't, you know, he's never said anything that he doesn't feel that he's up to it anymore uh, mentally or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, certainly it's politically a big problem, but I think 75% at least of Americans say that he's not up to the job mentally, in their opinion, which is an enormous share. <laughs> I mean, that's a big problem. 
Okay, let's get to this um, Biden impeachment inquiry. So they're having they're having an inquiry in the House, but impeachment would have to for there to be an impeachment, the Senate has to be involved, right? Yes. So this is an inquiry, and I see now there looks like a bit of tension. Matt Gates, who was one of the holdouts um, in uh, Kevin McCarthy getting the speaker role, has been well, he's been pretty brutal. Um, straight towards Kevin McCarthy. Basically, uh, you're not in compliance with our deal. So, so what's yes. going on there? Well, well, look, I, well, well, the deal was never published. So, so the only things we know about the deal are what um, those privy to the deal leaked to the media. And so there are uh, stories about it. Um, but look, I don't, you know, I don't know what what the deal entailed. I think a a small group of of a Republicans, when I say small, you know, I mean kind of dozens out of the out of the two hundred odd in the lower house. Uh, they're they're considered the far right uh, Republicans or whatever that means, and and um, you know they insisted on you know less spending and a few various procedural rules in the house, which McCarthy has apparently agreed to. Again, in private, we don't know what the deal is. We just know that there was a deal. Um, and yeah, so Matt Gates has come out, and also Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm another member of that group, and they've threatened uh, McCarthy in recent weeks that if he didn't set up this inquiry, that they'd seek to oust him from his position. And remember, he only he only won that that uh, that job, which of course is a very a very powerful, prestigious job, um, with a handful of votes back uh, back in January. You know, remember it took 14 or 15 times. I think it was it was quite dramatic. So so he only has the job. By a, by a thin margin. And so he'd be worried about those sorts of threats. And they also threatened this group that they would not pass these, these budget bills or, or supply bills, as we say in Australia, um, which are due in coming weeks. And if they're not passed, there'll be a government shutdown. And that's not necessarily, uh, that's not necessarily only bad for, uh, for the White House because, because a lot of Americans get very angry about shutdowns and they, you know, they blame, uh, they blame Republicans too. So, so anyway, so this this impeachment inquiry has been announced. Interestingly, it's been put in place through procedural uh, reasons or the power of the speakership as opposed to a vote. There's you know, there's not going to be a vote on it in the lower house. So that suggests that the McCarthy thinks he doesn't have the votes for it. So I you know because of course Democrats would vote against it, but but that suggests that at least some Republicans would vote against it, and and many have come out publicly and said that they don't support it. So. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, certainly the Senate, which you just mentioned, yes, to answer your question, uh, this is an inquiry only. It's not an impeachment vote. But if there were a vote, uh, then it's a simple majority in the House and it's a supermajority, a two-thirds majority in the Senate, which is very hard to get. I mean, I don't know yeah. the history, but there haven't been many two-thirds votes in the Senate on, on things like this ever. Um, so because, you know, you have to get a significant chunk of the Republican Party to support it, say, and that's unlikely. Senators tend to be a lot more moderate than lower house uh, members because, you know, they're in for six years. The political dynamic is different. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're not going to uh, support it as readily, but you never know. They may come up with new evidence in this inquiry. Who knows that, you know, the committee will have a slightly more powers than uh, than current committees have to subpoena people, to request documents and so forth. There's there's chatter that they're going to request the president's finances himself. I mean, I'd be surprised if if the White House cooperates, but, you know, it could, you know, it could cause a mini constitutional crisis. Who knows? But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what evidence they come up with anyway. But, uh, but you know, I mean, 
my personal view is that, that there is enough evidence to to kind mm. of uh, combine it all into a committee and to investigate further. I mean, it's not just the laptop. It's not just the big guy stuff. It's the, you know, it's the dozens of suspicious transaction reports that have been found in recent months that related to the Biden family by the U.S. Treasury. Uh, you know, there's the testimony that came out a few months ago that suggested Biden himself had been lying about his knowledge of his family's business dealings. So there is new stuff there. Uh, you know, and then, of course, there's the you know, the endless wandering about the sacking of Victor Shokin back in 2016, which, you know, I must say I went down the rabbit hole a bit recently and it's it's weird. I mean, this guy was being praised throughout 2015 yeah, for being, quite, quite for being excellent, yeah, yeah. for being excellent. And then suddenly in January, February 2016, he's terribly corrupt and we have to get rid of him. It's very strange. And, of course, Ashokan himself recently given an interview saying, that he was sacked because he was looking at Burisma and and uh, Vice President Biden, you know, basically said he was corrupt to get rid of him because he was gonna he was gonna implicate uh, the Sun Hunter in you know in the mm. in corruption. So anyway, there's there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there. I guess eventually it'll it'll come out. A couple of other stories that I uh, wonder how people are reacting where you are. So um, Kim Jong Un has visited. Vladimir Putin, yes. I think, in Vladivostok, he pulled up on the bulletproof yep. train, looking yeah, quite sharp. Great. Though the images were great. I love the images. <laughs> yeah. uh, though he looks like he's packed on a little bit of weight, I have to say. Yes. And then they sat down to what looked like a very well-catered-for lunch or dinner or occasion or whatever. And now Putin um, will reciprocate with a visit to North Korea. So um, are people saying that uh, what is happening in Ukraine and what the uh, American part of that is doing is actually forcing you know, there was China and Russia sort of coming yes. together. Now there's North Korea and Russia coming together, and and these are uh, these are uh, outcomes that no one would have wanted, surely. Yeah, look, I, you know that's right, and uh, you know I think I think people are starting to realise the costs of supporting Ukraine uh, by the US, and not just you know financial, but but certainly geopolitical in terms of you know the the Russia China axis, as you, as you mentioned, but but now also the possibility of of you know Moscow and and Pyongyang being much closer, and that could lead ultimately to to Russia having to give you know, some of its advanced technology to North Korea, which is the last thing the US would want. Uh, but and and you know probably in fairness, uh, Russia doesn't really want to do that either. But but the reality is, they we're assuming here that that they're they're wanting North Korea to manufacture uh, missiles and and uh, munitions for the Russian war effort. Um, Interestingly, the New York Times, I think just a few days ago, they they published a very long article, which I thought was was impressive, you know, uh, given their previous record. But they, you know, they kind of revealed that that the U.S. Uh, sorry, that the Russian uh, Russian arms industry was basically going going gangbusters at the moment, and had you know massively expanded production, uh, you know, far above where it was in in twenty twenty one. But clearly, that's not even enough, and and Russia needs even more. Munitions and hence it's you know it's been going to Iran and also North Korea. Um, you know we can make these same arguments about Iran too. I mean historically, yeah. Russia has avoided giving. Well, we, they haven't wanted to help Iran just as much as the US uh, has not wanted to help Iran uh, for obvious reasons. But given uh, Russia's position, they may feel as though to get Iran to contribute to the war effort, which actually it has already done. I might add in in some way um, that. Russia might help them with their nuclear, you know, their nuclear sector, uh, you know, which should be very worrying. So, yeah, you know, the short answer is yes. This is, you know, these are the 
well, I guess what should have been predictable uh, like outcomes of of the US escalating and continuing to support Ukraine and and for NATO more more generally. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, as we're talking. Um, a new Fox News poll has come out, and I'm I'm wondering what you uh, or how you will react to these yeah. figures, showing that uh, Trump is up to 48 percent overall support, Biden 46. So he's now ahead. Wow. Of, of Biden. And, that's not the uh, only one. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. Pence is ahead of Biden by one point. Um, Haley ahead of Biden by two. Uh, though Biden ahead of DeSantis and Scott. Ramaswamy oh, is one point ahead of, of Biden. So, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, there's been recent chatter in, um, I mean, that's that's obviously just come out, I think, that uh, the Haley yeah. team put a poll out a few days ago suggesting that she was in the best position uh, in relation to Biden if it was a, a hypothetical matchup. And that may well be true. I mean, she's quite appealing, Nikki Haley. She's she's articulate. I mean, I'm you know, I'm personally not a fan, but... Um, of her policies anyway she's but she's very presentable she's very likable you know she's young i mean she's got a lot going for her uh but yeah but i think i, th- I think the bigger point here in that poll and the others is the fact that trump is ahead of biden uh in Despite, quite a lot of these polls yeah in quite a lot of these polls that's not the only one there was a wall street journal one there's a new york times one so i think this kind of ingrained notion that trump will lose if there's if he runs, is you know, is wrong. Uh, uh, you know, I think the political media class just is a very small sliver of society, tiny. You know, God knows what the percentage is. Be less than one percent, um, and they just talk to each other all the time, and they hang out together, and and they don't really talk to normal people. Um, but I think in the you know the wider world in America, they don't see Trump as a you know as someone who tried to have a coup, or you know, they, they, I think they just they see him as you know he was president. The economy was a lot stronger when Trump was president. Uh, the incomes were going up when he was president, and and we just saw this week, last week, I think, when this goes to where it will be that, uh, you know, the a real median, a real median household income in the U.S. fell again between twenty one and twenty two for the third year in a row. So, well, yeah, it, you know, it fell three percent, I think, uh, for the average American household, uh, and you know, the third year in a row. And so, you know, you got Biden out there saying the economy's strong and everyone's happy. Well, you know, they're not really. If you're in the real world, they have lots of reasons not to be happy. So anyway, my bottom, you know, kind of point yeah. I'm trying to make is Trump could win. <laughs> you know? Yeah, despite um, despite all the, you know, the indictments, the the, the cases against him, you know, he's, he's it's one after another, and you maintain your popularity in that situation. That tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, look. I mean, you know, not just not just maintain, but but he's or increased it, it uh, really. I mean, after every indictment, which you know, kind of shocks me, really. I mean, you wouldn't. You know, wouldn't expect that. You wouldn't have expected that. I mean, I might have expected that after the New York one, which, you know, was just so silly back in April. This is the one over the the hush money payments back in 2016. I mean, they're just obviously so political. But, but the others are you know, slightly more serious. And um, But, no, his, you know, his, his popularity amongst Republicans has, has just increased. And as we just pointed out, he's, you know, he's head in a hypothetical matchup overall in many of these polls. Um Look, I mean, you know, it's who knows what's going to happen in the in the actual court cases next year. I mean, in the unlikely event that he's found guilty early next year and sentenced to jail, well, I mean, that's that's going to be pretty wild. Well, that'd be Although, next level. I, it certainly would be. Uh, but there's nothing in the Constitution, as far as I know, that that, that, that prevents someone in jail from running for president. So, so he could be in jail. <laughs> yeah. 
Like the yeah. the jail yeah. cell could be some sort of oval office, maybe. And yeah, no, I think. Well, I mean, the theory is that if he won, well, I mean, this is all kind of ridiculous, but you never know. Things have been yeah. pretty ridiculous already. Um, that if he was in prison, he'd just pardon himself immediately and then, of and course. then come out of prison. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so it'd be kind of like you know Jesus coming out of the king of rising yeah. from the dead. It'd be kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, anyway. That's crazy. Um, the whole thing is just so ridiculous. But, um, only in America, right? Um, only in America. Yeah. I think I saw Elon Musk say a while back that usually the the outcome, how things turn out, is is the most entertaining way. That there's some kind of rule there, you know. So I guess we look for the yes. most entertaining ending. Well, it certainly kind of has been so far. It is very entertaining, I must say. I mean, it's um, you know, Trump is very entertaining. I think you know, Biden's entertaining too, but you know, kind of for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I have to go to bed. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. Um, no, to finish up, I don't know if this story has been um, or how strong it's been uh, where you are at, but that is uh, criticism. I, I mentioned Elon Musk for, I think, switching off a Starlink system. So the yes. missile guidance or whatever for Ukraine strikes or drones sort of didn't work. And some are saying that that was a treasonous act. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I look, I haven't read the book in question. I think this is a fact that came out of a book that's that's just been released about Elon. Um, and apparently, I mean, I don't know, I guess it was 2022, uh, Ukraine asked him to turn on Starlink in the vicinity of of, of Russia's port in the Black in uh, Crimea. And and I think uh, Musk rightly realised the reason was that they wanted to blow up a lot of ships there. Um and Musk said no, uh, because he didn't want his system to be used for an act of war like that. And you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, some people say that's outrageous that he didn't help. Um, no, I don't have a strong view. I mean, I, I think you know. I mean, it's it's his property, and he didn't want to contribute to the deaths of hundreds of people. Uh, he'd already expressed his view on the war many times, thinking that there should be negotiation. That's his view. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, that's his view. You know, if if the US doesn't like it, then they should build their own Starlink, or they should buy it off him. I mean, I, I it's you know, you know, it's not their property. So um, I'm surprised they don't yeah, look hack at it. You know, just hack. Well, it. I mean, I, I think I mean, if you were Elon, you'd be worried. You know, you would definitely be worried. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how rich you are; you're not as powerful as the US government, and it will it will get you if it wants to. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, they yeah. will find something. Well, I think his father's a bit worried for his safety. I saw a story about that too. Oh, really? I didn't see that, but that yeah, doesn't surprise yeah, like, me at all. That yeah. doesn't surprise me at all. I think I think he'd be paying a bit more for security now. I think Elon after this. I mean, I, you know, I think he is. You know, he's quite a genius. I think he means well. You know, he's a great force for good. I think in terms of freedom for speech, I'm so glad he bought Twitter or X. Yeah, uh, we can say more things on there now. But but he's got to realize that the, having facts like that out there uh, will enrage a lot of people, and they yeah. will. You know, some some crazies will be driven to do crazy things. Um. But yeah. uh, look, it's a very interesting moral pondery, isn't it? You know, I mean, what do you what do you do? I mean, even if you are, even if you are on the side of Ukraine, it's not necessarily the right thing to do. You know, what happens if you destroy the Black Sea fleet and then you know Russia drops an atomic bomb on exactly, the and it's on I mean, your that's, conscience? That's, 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 it's on your yeah, that's conscience. not exactly helping, uh, you know, helping Ukraine. <laughs> so, so it'd be a very so, bad move. You know, I'm, so I'm not sure what the right, you know, what the right answer is. I think he did the right thing. I think he did the right thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, I think, yeah. So anyway, you know, the war, maybe we can talk about the war next time, but, I mean, it's it seems to have, uh, you know, dropped off in the last few weeks, not much happening at all, just a stalemate, really. Yeah. But I do suspect, you know, just, just from, you know, wide reading that 
and we discussed earlier that Russia's massively cranked up its its yeah. arms manufacturing. That I think maybe you know, kind of after this winter, there'll be another massive, uh, you know, kind of massive offensive to take the rest of those provinces that Russia thinks it, it should own. Well, you've got you've got to remember through the whole communist history of uh, the Soviet Union, USSR, they basically created a parallel universe. They built everything for themselves, jet airliners, space rockets. Yes. You know, then yeah, these, that's a good these point. are smart the, people, man. They, their own nuclear weapons, you know. Come on. Yeah, look, I think so too. I mean, you know, the sanctions clearly haven't worked. And I think to the extent, you know, with a country as large as Russia, I mean, you know, sanctions, you know, hard sanctions are going to work on, work on a North Korea, which started off with nothing and has 20 million people or something, right? It's very small. But but with a place like the Soviet Union, with the universities and the you know the know-how, the legacy of brilliant people, you know they'll just you know to use the modern terminology, onshore things again and do it and do it themselves eventually. Um, and as 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 the New York Times has pointed out recently, you know they've they've managed to get around all the sanctions anyway through through Turkey, Mexico. I mean, basically, you know, for all this talk about the world's against Russia, you know, hardly any of the world's actually imposed the sanctions. So so uh, you know they can get around them basically. Well, I, I talked to a German, a German MP last week, and we talked about energy. And he said um, that they're buying um, Russian oil, though it's converted to to LNG now because it go, goes a different route on LNG tankers. And they're actually buying as much, but paying about four or five times the price to get energy from Russia. So nothing's changed except they've taken a huge hit in Germany. Yeah, and, and the UK GDP, I think, just fell too. I mean, you know, it's almost like the sanctions, they've imposed sanctions on themselves. I mean, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous, really. And I then they Russia's had the, growing. the pipeline blow up as well, so. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I you know, someone someone smart recently said that they'd be shocked if if they weren't secretly repairing the pipeline. And you're talking about Germans, actually. Yeah, so, you'd think. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I don't know, but, um, you know, in 20, 30 years' time, you know, you'd kind of want to have the pipeline, wouldn't you, if you were yeah. a German nationalist? You know, that's and they're great engineers, so they should be able to do it. Yeah. Anyway, look, I think we should leave that for another chat. That yeah, no, absolutely. Have. Adam Crichton, good to catch up again. Uh, the Washington correspondent for the Australian newspaper. We'll talk in, in about a month Indeed. or so from now again, Adam, if it's all right. Indeed. Thanks for having me, Paul. Always fun. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.